0: Welcome to another episode of my weekly show, I'm Father Roderick and it is a Saturday morning Not a usual time for me to podcast, but uh, well, the week before was kind of busy So I figured I didn't want to leave you without a weekly show So here I am, and hopefully here you are too this episode is brought to you thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash Father They help me do this work, and I appreciate it tremendously. And in return, I record for them a special podcast every week, and that podcast is not available anywhere else. So if you want to listen to that, if you're curious, or if you just want to help me out, or both, then please take a look at patreon.com slash father roderick you know what's going on this is what's happening in your world face said catholics rule we got boston south america the good part of ireland and we're making serious inroads in mozambique baby you've taken your first step into a larger world Wow, it's been an interesting couple of days here in the Netherlands. Uh, the coronavirus, or more specifically the COVID-19 virus, has finally uh, reached our country, our small little country. We were this little black dot in the middle of this very red Europe where almost everywhere we, we, had, we saw cases of uh, the COVID-19 virus affecting people. Um, in some countries, of course, it's it's pretty severe. Uh, hundreds of people in um, in Italy. That seems to be the main uh, country, where at least where you have the the main source of a lot of the trouble. We had some people traveling in from China as well. Um, I think the well, at least one case in the Netherlands right now is linked to the situation in the north of Italy, and the other case is still being examined as we speak. Actually, they were doing some tests on uh, the the women in Amsterdam and her children to see if they... Um, well, if they carried... We know from the women that she, she carried the virus, but we don't know for the children. They did have some symptoms. Um, there is still no... I'm looking at the, at the news here, there's still no, uh, uh, no extra information about that. Um, the, the reason that the Amsterdam case is a little bit more worrying is that there doesn't seem to be a specific link to either China or northern Italy. So this could be one of those community transmissions that uh, you hear about in the news where there is no patient zero in that area. In that case, it indicates that there are probably more people that are carrying the virus, and we do, we just don't know them yet. Um, as a as a result, uh, everybody is extremely cautious. We get a lot of instructions about uh, uh, you know washing your hands and being careful with if you sneeze, do it in your elbow, <laughs> and uh, just just general hygiene r- rules that I think make a lot of sense. Um, and of course, you hear also people saying, "Well." we're still talking about something that is much less dangerous than the regular flu but of course the difference is that this one is spreading so quickly and uh, even though the mortality rate may be lower than some other viruses, it's just the it, just the amount of people that could be uh, affected by this virus um, in in a very short time that will uh, cause many many people to die especially the mo- the more fragile people so it's it's easy to say well hey only two percent is gonna die so I'm probably going to be fine. But you also have to think about the people, you know, that already have health trouble, people that have lung uh, issues, that are on medication, the elderly. Those are the people that are threatened by this. And if we can prevent uh, uh, the, the spread of the virus um, by just, you know, following some extra rules and being extra careful, then I think it's worth it. Um, the bishops in my country have actually issued uh, pretty strict rules for uh, Sunday Mass or for Mass in general. I was a bit surprised that they were so quick (laughs) to react, but this is apparently something that is... um, uh, These rules are issued in in, um, many parts of the world that are affected by the virus. It includes... um, the, that we don't use holy water anymore so we have to remove the holy water from the fonts uh, at the entrance of the church um, communion can only be distributed by the priest that uh, that one surprised me because normally I do have either acolytes or the sacristan or um, extraordinary assistants um, that distribute communion with me in this case that is no longer uh, allowed probably also to kind of just minimize the risks um, and communion on the tongue is also uh, forbidden, so uh, we can only d- distribute communion on the hand. Or uh, people can, uh, if they really don't want to receive communion on the hand, uh, they can um, have what's called spiritual communion, where you know, in your heart, you uh, you connect your, s- or you, you open yourself for for the presence of Jesus without physically receiving communion. You will still um, be able to experience the grace of. Of, of, of uh, well of, of <laughs> encountering Jesus in the Eucharist so um, and then were there any other rules oh yes the sign of peace um, normally people shake hands or they embrace um, that's also no longer uh, allowed so I'm kind of on defense whether to even invite people to, to give each other a sign of peace because I'm afraid that people will still shake hands out of routine um, or if we could just skip it um, and, and just uh, go straight to the uh, to La- Lamb of God prayer. We'll see. Um, I'll just ask uh, uh, the local, the parish churches what uh, what they think is, is the wisest. Now of course this all implies that I cannot be sick. <laughs> that is, that's hard nowadays. I've 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 got a case of the sniffles. Um, now of course uh, the symptoms of Corona are very different from what I have, but this is the time of year where a lot of people are actually suffering from the common cold, which actually is caused in at least twenty five percent of the cases by a variant of the coronavirus not of course this particular one uh, this is a corona the the common cold is caused by a coronavirus that has been around for many years and people actually expect or experts expect that this um, new coronavirus COVID-19 will actually also become one of those seasonal flu like viruses that will do the rounds and uh, but of course the difference is right now we don't have Uh, Antidotes. We don't have um, uh, you know medication yet for this specific type. So maybe in the future this will be something that will be part of our you know the the yearly cycle of viruses. But at least we will have medication uh, to uh, to do something about it, which we don't have right now. So it's going to be, of course, also in the long run, or let's say the next couple of weeks or months. This may very well affect everyone uh, when it comes to travel, vacation. In my case, work. Uh, I'm. i have, I'm, In order to to do my work, I have to go places. I have to meet people. I do interviews. I travel. All of that. You know what's going to happen when? Say, for instance, that uh, the Netherlands is going to have a, a similar situation as in in the in northern Italy, and we will have hundreds of cases. That's not unlikely actually um what if for instance the united states will impose travel restrictions to keep the you know the virus out that that you're no longer to travel to the united states or if you do you have to stay in in quarantine quarantine for 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 two weeks if that happens then my year plan is going to be severely affected already now i'm Not sure if I can travel to Rome right now. Of course, people in Rome will tell me, "Well, oh, of course you can. There's nothing wrong here. You don't see." And I'm 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 pretty sure that that is the case. That you know, there's it's very unlikely that you will catch the virus, but there is this possibility. And um, but of course, uh, I I often travel to Rome to film my my TV show. Uh, I do still have two episodes. already filmed and that are currently in, in post-production. So I'm, I'm fine for the first half of the year, but I'm not so sure about the next half of the year. And and so you, you keep thinking about these, what well, what ifs? What if the, right now the Pope is ill? Uh, is it a common cold? Probably. Could it be something worse? Maybe. Uh, well, what if that affects his health? What if all of a sudden we have to all go to the Vatican, or at least, well... Things will change in the Vatican, or there will be a new conclave, and, and at the same time there will be all these travel restrictions. I, I imagine, imagine if we had to have a conclave right now, and a, an, a part of the the cardinals would be unable to travel to Rome because of the virus. What do you do then? I mean, <laughs> that is weird. I don't think we've ever had a situation like that. Of course, there, there have been situations where a conclave was held where certain Cardinals were unable to participate, for instance, cardinals in secret in, in China. We know that there are cardinals that are in pectore, as they call it in Latin, so it's in the, only known in the heart of um, uh, of the Pope. Even though I'm not sure if that's true for the cardinals, but definitely for bishops that is that is the case. I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a whole new world in a certain way. We'll have to just wait and see. Of course, you have to stay calm, and as our bishops ask us to do, keep praying for the situation. Pray for the victims. Pray especially for the weaker people, people in poorer countries. Uh, we're all very worried about what will happen if the if this virus will uh, start to spread in Africa, or in, at least in part of Africa where there is not much healthcare available, where you know the 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 virus may may be much more threatening than in our western countries. So keep praying for the situation, keep praying for the victims and the people that are currently ill. I think that is probably the best that we can do. And with that, it is time for our first segment and that is dedicated to the world of movies and TV shows. We've got some uh, updates on what I'm watching right now on Netflix and on Prime. And I finally watched a movie that many of you have already watched and that supposedly takes place in the Vatican and in the region. And that is the movie The Two Popes. I have some very strong opinions about that movie, so this is the place to share them with you. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. I was certainly not bored by the first movie that I'm going to review here on the show, and that is The Two Popes. It is uh, the Netflix movie that had a lot of success, even got two, if I'm correct, two Oscar nominations, maybe even more. Um, Didn't win any. Uh, and uh, I've heard a lot of people raving about it because it's a touching movie. It's funny. Uh, it's personal. It, uh, of course, has to do with two people that we know very well from you know recent news in the recent years, uh, namely Pope Benedict XVI and Pope Francis. One right now, Pope Emeritus, uh, so retired, no longer formally a pope, and Pope Francis, the current leader of the Catholic Church. And the movie is portraying this this interaction, this relationship between these two cardinals, uh, one a pope and one a future pope, and uh, is based, or at least inspired, as the movie uh, indicates at the beginning, inspired by real events. Whereas at the end of the movie you will see a disclaimer that says, well... Uh, yeah, it's inspired by. it Doesn't mean that it, all of this happened, and uh, you know, don't, uh, don't, uh, uh, don't make too many assumptions based on what you've seen here. This is first and foremost a work of fiction. I think that is something that a lot of people missed. I think and that's my biggest beef that I have with the movie. Let let's let me first summarize what I think about the movie. I think it's a fantastic movie. It is really wonderful storytelling, and it's beautifully filmed. It, the dialogue is fantastically written. Acting is, is superb. The special effects, and this movie is full of special effects, because, you know, you they film in the 16th chapel, all that. You know, none of that was filmed in the Vatican. None of it was filmed in the Vatican. Maybe just a few short shots that you see mostly from regular real news channels that is what you see Um, but all the rest is either filmed in Caserta which is a castle in, uh, in Italy that a lot of Star Wars fans are super familiar with because it served as the decor for the palace in Naboo so Queen Amidala that was her place and when you see the procession of the cardinals going to the 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 16th chapel for the conclave they're walking up the stairs in exactly the same area that Padme Amidala was walking around in in the prequels and uh, that also gamers are maybe very familiar with because it's one of the battle scenes or battle arenas for Battlefront 2 where you can fight in the Naboo palace. So it was, it's very weird if you know <clears throat> that plays so well from a specific movie to see it in a different context. You're like, hey, the Cardinals are on Naboo. <laughs> very, very funny. But so all that, fantastically done. But it's also a terrible movie, a horrible movie, because of the way in which they portray these two people. Um, And and not that they're not sympathetically written, or that there's anything wrong with the kind of the the way they unfold the drama, but it is because of the kind of the framing of these two popes, and it it couldn't be more further away from the truth as as it is. Uh, Both uh, Pope Benedict XVI, but also Pope Francis, I think, are. Are turned into a caricature in a certain way. Um, pope Benedict XVI is the worst. Th- that the character played by Anthony Hopkins has nothing to do with the Pope Benedict uh, in in real life, and I know that from personal experience. I've, I mean, I've met, I've followed Pope Benedict for many years, even before he was a pope. Um, I've met him at, and and spoke with him several several times not well, i mean i wasn't going out for for pizza with him but um i've been living in rome for many years uh and and visiting rome many years afterwards so i've i've read what he wrote i've listened to to his speeches i've been talking on tv about his uh, pontificate and his character is portrayed so you know it it's it's a caricature. It, it, they depict him. It's actually more of a, you know, Anthony Hopkins type of Pope. He reminded me a little bit of uh, is it Zeus in um, in the Avengers movies? You know, the father of Loki and uh, and Thor. Uh, it, it, it's it's a kind of a grumpy, uh, very um, conservative. Type of guy, not very pleasant, very uh, rude. I think in his interactions, that has nothing to do with real Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict was or, or was very kind, a very good listener, not rash at all. In you know, he was certainly not interrupting people when they spoke. Or, I mean, quite the opposite. He's very kind, very warm, uh, friendly, a little bit shy so the total opposite of the way uh anthony hopkins plays him and i think what anthony hopkins plays is actually the kind of the the version of of pope benedict and and even before that cardinal ratzinger that was um that was made up by the press uh, where they they called him you know the, the 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 watchdog of the vatican and uh seemed to um want to portray him as a, a very rigid um unpastoral person and that's just not the case. So what I really resent is that and a lot of people take this for granted. I mean they watch this and it confirms the bias that, that they already had from, you know, the reporting in the media about Pope Benedict. And so it just it confirms them like you see you see how, how much of a jerk he really is? And then in contrast, of course, you've got this super popular, friendly, um, humble Pope Francis, who is, is uh, uh, kind of a, a bit shy, uh, loves his pizza and uh, his, his soccer and his, uh, his, his, you know, dancing the tango with the Pope, with Pope Benedict. All that is also a caricature. I think that um, definitely. I mean, the 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 actor who plays Pope Francis, I think, really is is closer visually and kind of in the overall way he comes across closer, I think, to what Pope Pope Francis is. But but I think what the movie overdoes is it, you know the softer side of Pope Francis, whereas uh, we know that Pope Francis has a pretty you know he knows what he wants. He can be, he's a Jesuit. <laughs> he is he can be very directive and very can kind of strict and can be angry as well. You see that a little bit in the way they portray his past in uh, in Argentina. I think that's actually one of the sequences in the movie that I liked the most. It gives a lot of context to, uh, to the story of Pope Francis and also to the things he says. And so that is one of the merits of the movie. Uh, if you see where he comes from and what that country went through and how difficult it was for him as the leader of the Jesuits there to... You know to make choices in this super you know difficult dangerous very politicized uh environment and how much he learned from his fellow priests and from the jesuits that he had to work with how important it was to live among the poor and to listen to their suffering all that gave a lot of visual context and historical context to the things that you hear pope francis say over and over again you know i want to have a poor church uh that is close to the poor um I, I want bishops and priests to be shepherds among the sheep um all that becomes much more uh, tangible i don't know linked to his personal story and so that affected me a lot in a positive way that's what i really liked but i i also thought that you know pope francis is 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 not the the kind of soccer cheering i mean he's he's got a lot of humor he, um and he is uh, much more spontaneous and uh, in a very different character compared to uh, to Pope Benedict. Um, but I think that they they also miss some of the more um, stricter aspects of his of his character, and sometimes sometimes his lack of patience, or um, you know his irritation sometimes when <laughs> when things take too long, or um, yeah. So, but anyway this of course is is these are choices that were made for dramatic purposes it actually says so in the disclaimer at the end the problem that I have is that is not that, that it doesn't make for a good story because it certainly does and actually a story that is moving at times I think it's a wonderful advertisement for the sacrament of confession I actually heard a lot of Protestant people that watch this movie um b- b- uh, you know I heard how much they were touched by by seeing what this sacrament of Reconciliation means to Catholics and means for to these popes, and so in that, even though I thought that the the confession that we that is filmed, um, where we hear Pope Benedict again, is so far remote from the facts, uh, as if Pope Benedict had you know be, been complicit in in not handling the abuse crisis well, it's like oh my goodness, almost everything that Pope Francis has done to combat the abuse crisis in the church was instigated and started years beforehand by pope benedict who was much stronger and much more on the ball than his predecessor saint pope uh, pope john paul ii so you know uh, anyway but so the movie has merits it's also um i think there are some really beautiful spiritual quotes in there um so it is it is inspiring at a certain from from a certain point of view or at a certain level. So in that respect, the movie does a lot of things very well, but it is still kind of making a lot of people believe that this is We're actually watching <laughs> these two popes as they are and well, I can guarantee you that is absolutely not the case. So historically, the movie does a lot of things wrong and I don't think it does justice to either popes and i think that pope francis would be the first one to say that he at least in terms of uh his you know the contents of the faith dogma and all that he is very much on the same uh, uh thinking along the same lines as 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 pope benedict and so there's great continuity theologically between these two popes and the movie tries to to contrast these two two popes, also on the level of theology and and ideas, and I think they they overdo it way too much. That's what I think about this movie. All right, let's talk about um, two other things that I've been watching. Star Trek is uh, Star Trek Picard is right now at the halfway point. I've seen six episodes. Um, I still really really like what they do. Uh, there's a good under underlying you know big story that they try to tell. At one point in episode five, they dressed up as, you know, gamblers to go to this Las Vegas planet. And that reminded me of the type of episodes that I didn't like that much in the Next Generation series. You know, I don't like dresser parties, really not. It's for somehow for some reason it never works. <laughs> These actors are very good at playing themselves or you know their characters, but as soon as, as they have to play a character that plays a character, it gets over the top and it gets weird. And so, hmm, I wasn't a big fan of that. Of course, I did love the return of a certain you know ex Borg. Actually, there are two ex ex-borg, three ex Borgs in this series, and that is that is a great. Great part of the overall storyline. I won't uh, go into details for those of you that haven't seen it yet. So, but overall, I think this is definitely one of the one of the best Star Trek series that we've seen in a long time. I'm curious to see wh- where they will take this because they must have planned this for at least a couple of seasons. Um, so, will this? reach the quality of storytelling that we saw in deep space 9 or will this go in a different direction i don't know there's definitely a little bit more swearing and they try to be a bit more explicit on certain levels which to me feels forced it's like oh finally we're no longer on cable tv so or or whatever on right what however that is organized in the united states i don't even want to know but anyway there was never swearing there was no you know explicit nudity or whatever in um in Star Trek, before because of the kind of the rules in the United States, and now that this is on CBS All Access and on on-demand platforms, they they it seems to me that they want to liberate themselves from those constraints. And so, even in the podcast, in the Star Trek podcast, there's a lot of swearing. I was like, "What the heck, dudes? Don't don't do that. It's not <laughs> doesn't make you more I don't know serious or more mature or or adult. It's it's." it's childish. Swearing is always, I think, a sign of kind of verbal incompetence. Um, But uh, it's a a thing that you sometimes see in the United States. Um, Of course, the situation in Europe is very different. Um, But it's almost as if there is this, this rebellion, like, oh, if we don't have to abide by the rules, then yeah, by all means, let's just act. Add extra non-functional nudity and swearing, lots of it, and more graphic violence because, well, you know, you can't have enough blood uh, and shooting. So let's 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 go over the top with that as well. So, eh, I don't know. Those are the, those are minor details, but it's still, in that respect, I'm actually. I like more the consistency of what Disney is trying to do with Star Wars, really staying very much in the same spirit of that Star Wars has always had. Um, And uh, I've been watching the seventh season of Clone Wars, and it's just really good storytelling. Of course, these episodes were were, the first few episodes were written several years ago, so this was still uh, when when George Lucas owned. Uh, Lucasfilm and the whole franchise so we'll have to wait and see what they do with the the rest of the episodes of the season once these you know already written episodes are uh, are done but so far so good I like it it's not that I'm like oh my gosh it's the best thing ever but it's good stuff and it's very much in in line with what what the series has been uh since its inception so it's 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 good and I hope they will end on a high note I'm pretty sure that they will have some big story telling uh, surprises for us in um, well in the in the next few weeks and with that it is time for the peculiar bunch (laughs) Catholics rock and here on the peculiar bunch we're always happy to tell you everything you always wanted to know about Christians and Catholics and their strange rules and regulations Catholics can be a your bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? Well, what do we eat is a question that we actually ask ourselves in these 40 days ahead of us, the 40 days of Lent. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than Blockbuster videos. Because one of the aspects of Lent is, of course, the practice of fasting. It's not the only thing. It's what most people associate with the time of Lent. It's what are you going to give up? Uh, What are you going to eat? What are you not going to eat? No meat on Fridays, etc., etc. But it's actually only one of three pillars, I think, of what Catholics are invited to practice during Lent. So it's fasting, but it's also praying. And, you know... Uh, you, you got to be specific about that. It's not just, well, I'll just try to pray more. It's also just make room for prayer. Pray more. Pray. Spend more minutes <laughs> or hours on praying. Uh, go to church more often if you can. That kind of stuff. It's praying, um, and it is almsgiving. That is a vital in, ingredient of, uh, of of Lent. It is not just a religious exercise for your own benefit it is also something that ultimately i think fasting and praying are are also um, not only connected but are leading to almsgiving almsgiving helping other people basically it's it's giving what you have received sharing it with someone else instead of keeping it for yourself and one of the ways in which you can do that is by fasting spending less money on food um, learning to d- well live with less um, and of course fasting is you can go beyond food you can fast on I don't know your your screen time or um, time you spend on and things for yourself and then giving your time to someone else um, so fasting can can liberate resources whether that is money or literally food you can also share food with people who'd don't have much to eat like that's what we do in our churches here uh people are invited to bring um uh certain food types um to the church and then we gather that and we bring it to distribution places where people that actually really don't have money to buy food right now because they're in debt or i don't know other difficult circumstances can go anonymously and and be fed and receive that food so uh but it can also free up time it can free up money to do good things and to help the poor, help the people that are not as fortunate as you. And those people actually are very close by. (laughs) Maybe even, you know, this could be a a time of of training for what's to come if this, you know, virus is uh, going to be a true pandemic. And of course, it's already very almost a pandemic right now. But there will be a lot of people that will not be able to pay the bills or buy food. This is going; to, already has a massive impact on our world, uh, on our global economy, and we're just in the early stages of this whole phenomenon. So who knows what what this will do to you know to people in in difficult situations? Um, prayer is also leading us to helping the poor because praying is opening your heart for God and God. It takes, can take advantage of you opening your heart to make you more like him. And what defines God is giving. When we say God is love, it doesn't mean God is all fuzzy feelings uh, or a romantic love, but God is self-giving love. Uh, the Ultimately, Jesus defines love as giving your life giving your life for your friends, maybe even sacrificing your life for people that you don't even know. But it is giving away your life. That's the ultimate form of love. And so praying helps you to become like Jesus, to become like God, and to become a giver instead of a taker or a hoarder. Um, And so in that respect, prayer also has this practical effect on you. If if you pray right, you know, if prayer is just, here's my Amazon wish list of this month. Please, God, send me this. (laughs) <laughs> and that is probably no, not the most effective prayer. But prayer can also be just be in the presence of God with empty hands, uh, recognizing that you are not in control, that things are not right, that you have messed things up. Even confession can be prayer, or actually should be prayer in its best form. It's not just you know going and and telling God about your 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 infractions as if God doesn't it has to be, you know, notified of that but it is acknowledging that you have messed up and that you are poor in a certain way that you can't do it without his help and his forgiveness. And so he will forgive you so that you in in turn will be able to forgive other people. It's what we pray in the our father, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So the our father is a prayer also that we may become givers like god is so um specifically lent um what are the most practical things that catholics are invited to do well go to confession um spend more time to uh, praying and jesus himself recommends pray in secret don't don't uh don't use prayer uh, to show how good you are that's why i'm always have a bit ambivalent feelings towards those uh, ash selfies that you see on ash wednesdays look at me i've been to ash wednesday mass now, i of course i know that people that post those selfies don't want to boast they just want to encourage people to to follow their example um, but there there could be a little bit of you know spiritual e- exhibitionism in that or at least it could be a temptation to show that, so try to try to do good without um without ulterior motives. do good because you want to be good, not because you want to be known as being good right um you don't have to win an election and show how much of a philanthropist you are by you know <laughs> advertising it on t v um that's 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 not how almsgiving works. <laughs> um, and then uh, fasting it is uh, we have only a few days that are obligatory in that sense it's uh, it's pretty lenient nowadays so it's Ash Wednesday and, and Good Friday those days you're uh, uh, required to not eat meat and uh, also to eat only one meal and you can have two smaller snacks that together are not one meal so It's pretty lenient. Plus, it's only for a certain age. So children are not supposed to, or are they can, but they're not. Well, they're not uh, uh, obliged. You're not required to fast, as well as older people. Um, You know, if you're uh, uh, among the elderly, you're not. You're not uh, supposed to, or you actually, you're invited to. You can, but it's not compulsory to fast. Uh, and then uh, in certain countries and this is dependent on you know the bishops conferences in some countries you're not allowed to eat meat on Fridays Um, but in some countries like mine uh, bishops have decided sometimes decades ago like in our case uh, that it's also possible to fast in different ways for instance if you're I don't know you can't live without cigarettes or alcohol or whatever just get rid of that um or i don't know just just try to uh, don't buy any new shoes during lent or on fridays don't try to spend money on things that are not worth your money stuff like that so um, so it's it's actually it invites you the, the rules are lenient and are actually quite modest i think but it is an invitation to be creative yourself Um, and to come up with ideas for how to make this time of Lent fruitful for you. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet. The extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I did a little bit of reading. Unfortunately, not as much as I hoped I would be able to do, because too much work, um, <laughs> but I have continued to, uh, con- uh, the, the first book of Scott Lynch called The Lies of Lock Lamora, which is about a guild of thieves, and it is an entertaining read, although I'm getting a little bit impatient, I've now read about 200 pages. And I'm wondering, starting to wonder, okay, where is this book going? It's interesting to learn the backstory of how this you know main character became a thief and and, and there's a lot of world building and then you read about certain of their heists, but I miss like a general story i, I, I like what is this book about? What is the bigger picture um I haven't found it yet and i'm already at page 200 so it's starting to annoy me a little bit it's like if this is just a uh, you know a sequence of uh stories about how they robbed uh, certain people um, and it goes in a lot of detail it's very well written it's an easy read um but it's also a little bit inconsequential i'm just like why am i reading this <laughs> i i don't know so i'll continue i'll try to plow through this book um, to give my f- before I give my final assessment, but so far, i um, like, it's entertaining, but I, I have better books to read. Um, then I read, uh, read a non fictional book, uh, written by a brain specialist in the Netherlands who's pretty well known from TV, Eric Scherder. I don't know how to pronounce it in with an English accent. In Dutch, we would say Scherder. Scherder, <laughs> that's horrible. Anyway, so he's a, he's one of those you know brain um, professors and, and and a very good teacher. He's written a lot of books. He's often on TV explaining how our brain works. And so he wrote this, uh, or actually he reads this audiobook called "Brains Want to Read," and uh, it's a short book. It's only eighty four pages. Uh, it's unv- unavailable. It's only available in Dutch, um, but there are similar books available in in the English language. And I always love. You know, learning about how my brain works, and uh, it helps me also understand why sometimes I act in certain ways, or why habits are difficult to form, et cetera, et cetera, and and also helps me explain, or helps me helps me understand why sometimes we're se- we seemingly so irrational in in the things that we do. So it helps us also understand uh, other people and. Like groups of people, so in this book he really um, makes a strong. Uh, how do you say that? He he advocates reading even at a very young age, and and that is apparently right now a big problem. Kids don't read anymore. F- this year, for the first time in decades, children are no longer listing uh, reading Harry Potter as you know one of their favorite pastimes. Um, and that's kind of a shock because it's been f- this—you know—Harry Potter was kind of top of list for children. It was such a well-known series, and and did so much to to help people to help children read. And that's starting to erode. And a main cause, according to the you know the research, is that children are spending more and more time just looking at screens and just watching TV, <clears throat> playing video games. Reading is uh, is is. Um, not as popular as it was a couple of years ago. And, and this is a, an ongoing trend, and it's worrisome. And, and this book explains why, because reading is one of the best exercises for your brain. Um, reading is, is actually uh, working on many levels in your brain to f- form connections. That's basically what brain development is. It's not just creating more brain cells. It's, also, it's all about the connections. Um, that's why, for instance, learning multiple languages is so good for your brain because it's it's it forces your brain to form new connections. The more connections you have, the better your brain will function. Uh, creativity is also part of the the um, that was one of the things that are are signs of a well-functioning brain. And the more creative you are, and the more you you exercise your your creativity, the more creative you will become. It's very interesting, and reading, in a sense, is also a creative, creating, creative endeavor. While you are reading, your brain is creating images. It's forming words, inner words. Um, you have uh, memories that are involved, and so uh, the more you read, and especially if you read at a young age, the better it is for your for your, for the development of your overall. Uh, your brain, your intelligence, your social intelligence, your sense of humor, um, your problem solving abilities, all that is stimulated by just reading. And so it goes over a lot of different f- types of reading, reading regular, you know, book books, paper books, uh, the difference with uh, reading on tablets, uh, one of the issues that he has with um, like e-reading. Is that that especially for kids? Is that a lot of these children's books on e-readers are chock full of you know special effects and uh, uh, distracting interactive things that uh, d- that take away the focus of the child. And so, focus concentration is a very important aspect of reading. It kind of joins. Uh, I I recorded a video on my YouTube channel. Couple of weeks ago, about speed reading, or at least how you can read one book per per week, and and one of the things that I uh, advised is you know focus, uh, shut off your phone, put it away, only read on a on a, on a dedicated e reader so you don't get all these notifications, turn off music, turn off the telephone, uh, shut the door, <laughs> and. The more you are focused the not only the faster you will read but also the more the reading will uh, will train your brain um, so focus is part of that and the more focused you read the faster you will read the more also you will remember what you read so they did all sorts of and, and he uh, spices it up with a lot of research that has been done over the years um, and it, it well I mean it's a little bit too much information to <laughs> reproduce here but Keep in mind, um, the reading is something you should never give up on. Um, I've had a time in my life where I thought, oh, I'm not going to read that book. I'll just watch the movie version of it. Well, eh, I'm, I'm back paddling on that. <laughs> sometimes it actually, watching a movies can sometimes help you for, with this inner picture of what's happening. And so for me it's been helpful sometimes to uh, get at least an approximation of what these characters look like. For instance in the Lord of the Rings and the books of Tolkien, having seen the movies, now that I reread the books I have this mental image of what these creatures look like, what the world looks like, the overall atmosphere. And and so it makes reading more immersive. Because sometimes it's, especially with fantasy literature, it's kind of hard to imagine all that stuff if you've never been in, you know, the areas or the type of nature that they describe or if you've never seen the monsters. Like, I don't know. Um, So anyway, that's what I've been reading. And that's what I wanted to share with you. What else is on my list? Oh, we're gonna move to a new segment. I've figured out how to play different jingles on this device here, so we can talk about food. Four fried chickens and a Coke and some dry white toast, please. Cause it's Lent. And well, I'll talk about fasting in general, but I also want to talk about food preparation. Mm-hmm. This is a tasty burger. eat that? What, that? No. Yes. No. Well, no, I, I crossed my mind. This is a vintage jingle. Those of you that have been listening for years will recognize this one from way back when. Anyway, uh, Tasty Burgers. I read a discussion online which really made me laugh, and it was this this debate among Catholics whether or not you were breaking your fast on Wednesday or on Fridays of Lent, if you would eat um, these fake meat burgers, so this this uh, uh, these burgers made of, of uh, you know there's no meat in it, but it, it it looks and feels and tastes almost like real meat, and uh, of course there have been. Uh, tremendous discoveries, and there's a lot of progress in that area, um, and even fast food restaurants are starting to serve these, you know, fake burgers that are just like the real thing, and. There was a lot of debate, well, you know, if it if it tastes like a burger, if it bleeds like a burger, then, yeah, it should be considered meat. And so you're breaking your fast. And others like, no, it's, there's no meat involved. And, you know, specifically states in canon law that it's about meat. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Totally missing the point, both sides, of what Lent is and what fasting is all about. It's not about the molecules that you consume. It's about the spirit. Spirit behind the measure. The reason that we don't eat meat on certain days is because meat is seen as a luxury food, which it is. If you still look at the world and the majority of the people in the world cannot eat meat or rarely eat meat because it's too expensive. And of course, there is a hidden cost of meat because you may say, well, hey, meat is not that expensive anymore. And if I eat fish, if I go for salmon on on Good Friday, that's way more expensive than meat. So, well, I would say if that's the case, don't eat salmon on, on Good Friday because you try to keep it simple. It's all about... But there's also, I think, a, a discussion that we need to have or that Catholics should have about what is the real cost of meat. Yeah, you may not pay much in the supermarket, but what is the price that you know the environment is paying for this? That Where is your meat coming from? How much do they pay the people there? What is happening right now in huge areas in the Amazon uh, where they're destroying forests so they can create meadows for cows, and the meat of those cows is not consumed in the Amazon region. No, it's sold for consumption in China, in Europe, so that we can have cheap meat. Well, so the price of meat is actually still quite high. It's just that we don't always pay that price. So I think there's still good reason for the church to recommend that we, you know, Lessen our meat consumption, um, but it's uh, these discussions are, you know, almost neo neo uh, hair splitting stuff, and it, it, it is about you know what is meant by those rules, simplicity, uh, maybe also uh, be, become more aware of what your consumption is doing to the world around you. <laughs> so anyway. Um, but, so, is it allowed to eat fake meat on meatless Fridays? I think yes. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem. I don't think it's material for confession. But if that fake burger costs like three times the price of, of real meat, then I think you may have to think about it twice. And so maybe that is not the best way to spend your money on a day of fasting. So, what one thing that I've been doing... Um, I actually had a moment of choice just before I started recording this. I went to the supermarket to um, do my groceries and they had two fake burgers on sale uh, because, well, basically the expiration date was today. Um, And it was one of those more newer fake burgers. um, And I was immediately curious. It was just one euro, so that's really cheap. I was like... You know what? Let me just buy this, and I'll. F- I'm just curious to see if this actually gets closer to what real meat tastes like. And then, you know, I, I was thinking twice. I was like, "Well, no, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous." I still have my fridge full of food. There's actually so much food in my fridge right now that I can't add anything, especially to the uh, low temperature part of the fridge. I can't freeze in any stuff anymore because the three, the three, what is it? Slot, uh, what do you call them? The, the compartments are full of frozen food. So, of course, I could buy this burger, and it's only one euro. But I still have frozen burgers in the fridge, and which I have frozen, I think, in November, and I still haven't eaten them. So wh- this is ridiculous. So I, I put back everything that was on sale. I was like, why don't I spend at least the first few weeks of Lent? using the food that I have and there's a lot of food in storage that I bought because it was on sales. Usually if I have something in storage and I don't use it right away it's because it was on sale (laughs) or otherwise it would be thrown away I don't know but but still it's food that I don't use so I'm going to try to to work my way through through the food reserves that I have. Now, of course, I don't have food reserves for, you know, situations where the coronavirus uh, makes me, uh, forces me to stay at home for two weeks, be in co- quarantine or something like that. We'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, I think it's ridiculous that I have so much food that I don't eat and that I just store and and then buy new food, which I you know, probably going to store as well. So anyway, that, that would be my tip. And it also is uh, forcing me to be a little bit more creative because, of course, I have a lot of stuff that um, maybe I haven't prepared it because I didn't have a recipe for it. And then it's much easier to just go buy the familiar ingredients and cook things that I know how to cook instead of, you know, working with ingredients that I may have bought once and then thought, well, but how do you prepare that? Oh, it's too complicated. I won't, I won't do that. So I'm going to try to force myself to be a little bit more creative and try to finish first my reserves before I buy new food. That's what I wanted to share with you. And with that, we go back to the previous set of Uh, jingles because we need to talk a little bit more about science fiction. More specifically in this final segment I want to talk a little bit more about Star Wars because there was amazing news this past week which you may have missed if you're not following the Star Wars news as closely as I do on a daily basis almost. And this is an announcement that has to do with the next couple of years of Star Wars content, at least presumably. And it may even impact the movies that that will be issued. I see aliens, little aliens from outer space, and how are things in outer plutonia? How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? go a shape! I mean, you can donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need you. Last week, Star Wars or Disney announced a whole new. Uh, era of storytelling that they will be doing cro- in, in uh, across media. Uh, this is a new uh, time, a new era that uh, they are going to explore with stories in video games, uh, novels, comic books, um, and who knows, maybe even TV series and movies. This is a totally new era that we've never heard about. It's called the High Republic Era. And my first thought was, oh, High Republic Era. So it's the Old Republic. The Old Republic is something that's been around in the Star Wars universe for a long time. It's uh, this this uh, era in the history of the Star Wars universe that takes place thousands of years before the events in A New Hope. And uh, that talks about a pretty violent time where there are lots of wars being fought between the Sith and the Jedi. And uh, uh, a number of video games were based on that. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic is the most re- most well-known one. Um, pretty epic storytelling, really great. Feels like Star Wars and at the same time it's different enough to, you know, to be believable, to be believably taking place in, uh, you know, an earlier time like Middle Ages or something like that. The 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 one issue that I sometimes had with the Old Republic is that uh, the the looks of it are still too close to what we know from the current Star Wars area uh, or era, I should say. Um, but I was mistaken. So the High Republic is very different, time wise. From the old republic, the High Republic era is uh, actually situated about two hundred years before the events in A New Hope. So, in in Star Wars story uh, or history, Star Wars, would you say that counting? a new hope is like the birth of jesus in a certain way <laughs> so it's always like so many years before a new hope or so many years after a new hope uh, so this is 200 years before we get to know luke skywalker and it is apparently exploring this time when the jedi were uh, at their at the height of their of their civilization if you can call it a civilization or of their culture they were not yet uh, under the rule of the senate So they were more an independent uh, community of people that were mostly there to keep the peace. And uh, there are no Sith in that time, at least there are probably Sith somewhere in the darkness hiding. But they are not taking part in, in the political arena or in the... In the events of of world history at that time um so the big issue of course is if this is such a time of peace and prosperity and and the jedi are still the jedi in their most ideal form where's the story in that that's not going to be very interesting and so uh uh, lucasfilm and disney issued a trailer where they show how they got together a whole bunch of writers to come up with ideas on how to create stories in that High Republic era. And uh, they asked themselves an interesting question. And that is, what would Jedi be afraid of? Now I love that question, uh, because it's, it's a challenging question. What is the thing that challenges the Jedi the most? And the answer that they came up with, with is chaos. Jedi are all about order, bringing order, bringing balance. And so chaos, uh, an enemy that is chaotic, that is random, that is unpredictable, that doesn't seem to be motivated by logical things or by, I don't know, injustice in or anything, but they're just violent because of violence. Violent sake. Even, even the Sith, you know, it's dark side, but there's a certain logic in how they proceed. It's a, there's a certain predictability. Um, I mean, the, the return of Emperor Palpatine and The Rise of Skywalker was in a way predictable. It's It totally makes sense from his perspective. And almost everything that unfolds in The Rise of, of Skywalker is, in a certain way, makes sense if you follow the logic of the, the characters involved. Um, so in this new storytelling era, um, the enemy doesn't make sense. And so that is, I love that. But then what they came up with kind of was a bit, lackluster but disappointing and uh, i'm not sure if this is the best answer so they they are coming up with a group of uh villains that the jedi are are trying to suppress or i don't know uh, fight Um, and they are called the nihil denial n-i-h-i-l I was like, that is such an obvious name. (laughs) It's like nihilistic, you know? So, uh, yeah. I, I wish they would be a little bit more creative in naming that group. And then these creatures are described as space Vikings. Space Vikings. Right. So just very violent alien creatures. And then they showed us some concept art some paintings, etc., of what these space Vikings supposedly look like. And so you see, for instance, like a red alien covered in tattoos, wearing this huge mask and armor, and then you've got a green, looks like a Twi'lek, uh, and she's also wearing this huge oversized mask, helmet thing, and I was like, "Oh, not again!" You know, faceless enemies—that is not interesting. And and they did the same with the Knights of uh, Knights of Ren. To me, that was the weakest element of the of the sequels. The Knights of Ren—they're introduced, but they remain totally faceless. They don't have a backstory. I'm sure that in comics, etc., they will develop that, but they had no function and not, they were not very believable nor were they very threatening, I think, in, the, in the, especially in the Rise of Skywalker. I truly hoped that they would do more with that group, but they didn't. And I think one of the issues is the way they look. They have these helmets and, you know, they're not Darth Vader, you know? So uh, one of the things that make Vader and Boba Fett work as villains is that there is a lot of humanity in the way these stories are played. The Mandalorian is a true... and even takes off the helmet at one point. Um, And and Vader too, you know, with the prequels, there is a real human being somewhere behind that mask. But these space Vikings look so random and so generic. and So it's going to require some very, very good storytelling, I think, to make this more than just this generic Star Wars setting. It just... I like that they're going to try to open up this new era, and so they, this may also be kind of laying the groundworks for future movies. One of the issues that Star Wars has, or that Disney has now that they have that they own the franchise, is that other than Marvel that can use uh, uh, decades of material that is already there and well-known villains and, and heroes, Star Wars has none of that. It's got a little bit of expanded universe, but most of that is based on the movies. Um, They have the Old Republic, and that is a thousand years ago. Um, But that doesn't really, you know, capture the imagination of of a global audience. I mean, it's known by the Star Wars fans, but I bet you that the majority of people that have gone to watch the Star Wars movies don't know anything about the Old Republic, so that's probably not a very good... Uh, idea to just dive into that right away with a movie, but maybe with the High Republic, they're setting up a uh, uh, kind of a, a playground for f- and 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 create all these stories, and then just pick the best of these stories and turn them into movies, or the, to pick the best characters. We'll have to wait and see. I'm curious what they will do, but so far, I'm I'm not really on board yet with the way this looks. But uh, then again. this this is just the first announcement Um, we'll see if we get good stories anyway that's it for today thank you so much for listening and uh, I wish you a wonderful weekend I'll be back next week and if you are a patron of course stay tuned because there will be another show for you in your Patreon feed patreon.com slash